Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Edge of Comfort podcast, where we explore the adventures, perspectives, and philosophies of world travelers. I am your host, Lee Thornquist, and thank you for listening. To all my fellow millennials out there listening to this, turns out that we are changing some of the reasons and ways people are traveling the world, and also some of the companies out there who are trying to tailor to us and help us along our journeys to see the world. One of these companies is called Under 30 Experiences, and on today's episode, we are joined by Lindsay Dukes, who has a really fascinating kind of full circle story about her experiences first traveling with this company to now working with them and leading her own experiences. After leaving a stable corporate job she'd been in for eight years, Lindsay started exploring her other interests and passions in a way to build her life around them. What a crazy idea! (laughs) One of these was traveling, and she started some major international traveling by going on trips with under 30 experiences to Bali, Indonesia, and Iceland. We get into all the details of what these trips were like and some of the logistical stuff of it, um, but also talk about why she prefers traveling in a group, which I must say is a fresh perspective since we've had a lot of people on the podcast who are big, big advocates of solo traveling, um, but also kind of what impact that these experiences had on her life and the trajectory of it. One of these being, well, she went from being a traveler on these on this company's trips to now being an experience leader, along with doing marketing and building the under-30s community around the world. So like I said, kind of a cool full circle story. But other than talking about this form of traveling and some of her work she does with under-30, we get into a whole lot of other deep, deep, deep topics. You'll find out pretty quickly that Lindsay is quite a spiritual person and what being spiritual actually means to her instead of what most people might associate with that word. We also explore a lot about questioning your beliefs and challenging your ideas and challenging kind of the way you're living your life and to possibly pursue what actually gives you meaning and also how traveling can kind of force you to do this. So it turns out that traveling can actually be very dangerous, but in the best possible way. But really, Lindsay is an open book and shares some incredible wisdom and thoughts and insights based on some of her experiences. Our conversation hits a lot of different topics. I think there's something for everyone in here, so keep an open mind and buckle up. And if you want to find full show notes and links to some of the things we reference in our conversation, you can do so at edgeofcomfort.com forward slash EOCP17. That's the number 17. Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, whether this is your first episode or 17th episode, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts through the app or iTunes on your computer. I really enjoy reading your feedback, and it also helps new people discover these conversations. Just search for Edge of Comfort in the podcast section, click on Ratings and Reviews, and then Write a Review. 
If you need a full step-by-step guide with some pictures and everything on how to do this, go to edgeofcomfort.com forward slash podcast dash review. Finally, make sure to stick around at the end of the episode for the question of the episode. Thank you so much to Lindsay for being an open book and sharing so much about her life. Thank you for listening, and let's go. Good morning. What's all the commotion? Wow. Are banana fish big? Same, same, but different. If I can't scuba, then what's this all been about? Welcome to the Edge of Comfort podcast with your host, Lee Thornquist. So welcome, Lindsay, to the podcast. So excited to have you on today, and thank you for joining. Yeah, thank you for having me. We were talking a little bit before we started recording, and uh, you're based in Austin, Texas, and uh, I where I am a one-year native from there. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. How Are you from there? Have you lived there for a while? So I have been in the Austin area for about 10 years. Um, I've tried to leave twice, not because I didn't love Austin, but I felt like I just needed to go live somewhere else. And both times the universe has just completely intervened and been like, no, you shall stay. And so I stayed. It's turned out to be uh, pretty cool. So you tried to leave twice and were not able to. did, yeah. And both times it was to go to, to Denver. Um, the most recent time was like two years ago, actually not too long before I started, uh, getting involved with under 30 from a business standpoint, but, um, I was doing some contract work for this startup company and was moving to Denver to start a full-time position with them. And like two weeks before I was supposed to move, like things are in boxes, moving trucks are ready to come. And uh, they were like, oh, we don't think we're going to be able to afford the position after all. I was like, cool, I'll just uh, just stay here then, um, which turned out to be just like a blessing in disguise because here I am now doing this cool thing. Yeah, so we're definitely going to talk a lot about under 30 experiences. And yeah. also if we refer to it, do you talk like, do you always say U30X instead of saying out the long name? It depends. So much so that I didn't even realize that that's what I did. So yes, under 30 (laughs) experiences is U30X. Yeah, okay. So if we reference it like that anymore, the listener, you now know what we're talking about. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Um, So yeah, so you started traveling with them and now you're working for them. It looks like you've led some experiences and doing some other work as well. Like, How does that feel to kind of see that come full circle from... You used to be traveling with them just as a guest, and now you're leading people on their travels. It's so cool. It's it's truly a dream come true. Um, so I originally traveled with them to Bali in July 2016. And um, that trip, I mean, when I say it was a game changer for me, I'm not 
just saying that as a loaded statement, it, it literally shook up a lot of things for me. Um, and I ended up going to Iceland with them the following October and then got back from that trip and was like, God, like all I want to do is travel and take pictures and write and just like connect with people. And I said that out loud and then I laughed because like, that's not a freaking job. Like that's not a thing. Um, but that's what I want to do. And so here, here we are about two years later and that's, uh, that's exactly what I've done for the last year and a half with them. So, um, and it took a very roundabout way of getting there. Um, so I actually had started my own fitness company and was trying to figure out just how to design my life around being able to be remote and travel. Um, so I decided I was going to run fitness retreats and got in contact with another guy at under 30 experiences that was starting kind of like a little pilot program called custom experiences. Um, so they run logistics for yoga retreats and fitness retreats and things like that. And so got in touch with him and they were running the logistics for my fitness retreats. And he was kind of like, man, would love to bring you on full time, but all we're hiring for right now is the under 30 side and it's a marketing position. I don't know if that's in your wheelhouse. And I just started to laugh on the phone. He was like, what? I was like, man, that's actually what my degree is. And that's literally what I went to school for. <laughs> so it happened in a very roundabout way. Um, it's not like I had this goal and was working every day toward it. It was more like I threw it out there to the universe and followed the little breadcrumbs. And here I am. So what were you doing before you tried or you started this fitness company and started working for under 30? Oh man, oh man. Okay, so um I was in corporate America for for a little over 8 years. Um so I worked for Liberty Mutual Insurance. So I was in sales for them for the first 3 years. I was straight out of college and then was in field development with them. Um, which I got to do some traveling, nothing international, but Hawaii was one of my territories. So um, I wasn't about to like quit that job, even though I was not even almost passionate about it. Um, so I knew that's not what I wanted to be doing forever. And I was kind of getting to a point where I was just like questioning everything in my life um, to get even into to more detail. I was actually married at the time. Um, like had literally followed every single box on that checklist of life post-college to the T. Um, then yeah, found myself on the kitchen floor one day, like, what the hell am I doing? Like, is this really what life is? Is this, is this what I want? Um, and no offense to anyone who has followed that same path. I just knew it was not where I was supposed to be at the time. And so, um, Ended up leaving all of those things one by one over the course of a couple of years and um, was still doing some contract work, like business development work for a couple of companies. Um, one of those being the one that I referenced when I was going to move to Denver uh, before I started to uh, to get into the whole fitness thing. So, so yeah. when when you're in like that position and you know like <clears throat> this is not what I want to be doing and is that just something like deeply internal that you feel like like split from what you actually should be doing like 
deep down? Like how, when those emotions first started rising, like, is it, was it gradual? Was it kind of all at once? Like, how did you start to realize that and then get the courage to kind of get away from this typical checkbox life that you were living? It was, I would say gradual and then just kind of all culminated in this one really intense moment. Um, but I think I knew deep down for, for quite some time. Um, it's just, it's really hard to justify those things when in, especially in the Western society where we are constantly having to like prove ourselves and show what we're doing and the, like, look how much I've done, look how successful I am at this or that. And so just knowing that like I needed and I was supposed to be doing something different, but still being very much wrapped up in this world um, where I knew I was going to have to justify things to people. Um, it, yeah, it just took, took a while for me to just really accept um, the underlying truth and all of those things like my, my own truth. Um, yeah, so it, it, you know, I felt that way for a while. But then when I said I found myself sitting on the kitchen floor, just like in tears, that that's a real thing that happened. <laughs> it was just like this one really intense moment. I was like, oh, shit, what am I doing? And I knew that I either needed to start making changes or I could like smoke a bowl and go to bed and forget that I ever had that conversation with myself. Um, so, yeah, it, it took some time, but slowly I let go of all the things and and it's funny like I said it was going to be super hard for me to leave leave that job um again wasn't really passionate about it but I was going to Hawaii every three weeks man like how do you leave that (laughs) and so it's it's funny going back to like putting things out there to the universe I know it sounds hippie and whatever but it's so real I swear um because I kind of put it out there. That's not what I wanted to be doing. And um, I was actually a part-time musician at the time as well, a singer-songwriter. And I was playing in Hawaii one night. (laughs) And I had some people that were like, why aren't you doing this full-time? And I was like, oh, man, I'd be stupid to leave my job. So lo and behold, if the next morning I didn't get a call with like 350 other people, um, letting us know that they were condensing our three departments into one and they'd be creating 28 new positions that we could all interview for. And I kind of, I knew that the Texas position would have been mine. Um, but I also kind of felt like this was my chance. This is my chance to break free, um, with a little bit of, of padding behind it. Cause they were going to offer me severance if I didn't interview. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to take that and I'm going to run. And that's, that's when I booked those first two trips with under 30. So when those, you had those, let's talk about the first trip to Bali. Yeah. What did, what role did that play in kind of this transformation you had in going from typical corporate career life and then suddenly you're seeing a whole new side of the world and just what did that do for your personal and physical and mental side of your life? Oh my God, dude. Um, it changed everything for me. So, um, God, their culture is so beautiful. The people are so amazing and seeing that they don't, they don't have a ton of stuff. Um, they don't, they aren't bombarded with these expectations to like 
succeed and gather all the things throughout life, you know, and, um, and they were so happy and there's almost a non-existent crime rate there, which also blew my mind. And it's because the culture is so karmic driven. So it's basically just like do good, be a good person. Cause if you don't, not only does that affect you, it affects your family as well. Um, and so just kind of seeing how that entire mindset played such a huge role across the culture uh, was beautiful. And everyone's so happy. I'm like, damn, like these people are way happier than the vast majority of people that I know in the States. Like, why? Why is that? Because they don't have a ton. Um, and it's a very like community centric culture as well. So they live typically in family compounds. Um so everything is done together, like even weddings. It's not like here where it's usually the bride's parent that pays for it. The entire community comes together to like hand make all of the decorations. Um, and like everybody donates to a fund for anything else that's needed for the wedding. Like the entire community cooks for the wedding. And that goes for any celebratory event that they have. And I was just like, man. This is where it's at. Like maybe, maybe, not to say we're like doing it wrong. I don't want to offend anyone, but like maybe we're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it kind of just like shook things up a bit for me and made me realize that the way of life that I had always known may not necessarily be the, the right way or the only way. Um, especially from a belief system, if we want to dabble into that conversation, because I come from um, a very, very, very Christian upbringing and background, and being so heavily exposed to another another religion made me question everything on that end as well. So, and that's a whole another conversation. Let's dabble um, in that a little bit. Let's though. <laughs> do it, dude. Let's come on. So yeah, when you're <clears throat> raised a certain way and these things that for most of your life you've never questioned and just accepted as fact, which mm -hmm. I think you kind of have to do it to get through the first period of your life. Uh, yeah, that's um, what you're taught to do. Yeah, and it's not necessarily bad, but when suddenly you start questioning these and seeing other ways of life or religion, and how do you, when you first start realizing this, like what's that internal debate going on with you? Well, it's funny because it meant even more for me because at the time I was still leading worship at a church. Um, so like I'm the girl up there behind the microphone singing every Sunday, right? So um, it meant even more for me just than like questioning my own belief system. It was like, oh shit, like can I even go up there on Sundays and like be up there talking about and singing about something that I'm not 100% sure is what I like believe anymore. Like, Oh my God, what do I do? Um, but it, as far as how it felt, um, I don't even remember ever feeling scared about it. It was almost like angry for, for a bit. I was like, why, why hadn't I ever questioned anything before this, this point in my life? Like, why have I always accepted everything as, as fact um, and again, I'm not saying that there is one right answer, that something is right, that something is wrong. Um, what I do know is that there's not one right answer. Um, and I think it would be to everyone's benefit to um, 
kind of accept that and question things, not even just from a religious standpoint, just all things. Maybe none of us know what we're doing. That sounds uh, pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> like, when I say maybe, I'm trying to say, like, we for sure, like, do not know what we're doing. None of us. No one. We're all just kind of winging it, right? Yeah, I think, like, a little less serious note, but when, uh, like, when you're a kid and you look at adults, you're like, oh, they definitely know what's going on. Like, they have totally. things figured out. Then you get, like, a little bit older and you're like, oh, man, I thought I'd know a lot more by now. And then you look at the people who are 10, 20 years older, and you're like, oh, by then, oh, I'll have stuff figured out for sure. <laughs> Then no. you get there and it's like, oh shit. <laughs> that's I feel like that's that's the entire game of life is getting to the end and realizing like you still know nothing and that's the beautiful part of it. Just just roll with it. Yeah, I'm I've met a point where I'm hyper skeptical of anyone that is overly confident in anything. Yeah, it's like you, know? you said, there's no usually there's no one right answer for things and for sure. But you start questioning everything and getting into, well, what's what and what actually matters. It can be a, a scary thing for sure. Absolutely. And so the conclusion I kind of came to there was just like experience, like experiencing as much of this incredible world as I possibly can um, while I'm still here. So was Bali, was that trip one of the really first times you started questioning some of this stuff? Um, I think, I mean, I definitely did a bit in college, but it's such a comfortable place when that's how you grow up. So even though like I went through my like phase, if you will, but that's a terrible word cause it's not just a phase, but when I like started questioning things as soon as I graduated and kind of started, um, following that checklist, if you will, I fell like right back into that that level of comfort because it's so much easier to default to what's comfortable instead of actually going down that path of questioning. Cause that's hard, dude, that that's uncomfortable. That shakes stuff. It's hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how do you begin addressing some like, cause yeah, that is hard and scary and you got to kind of, go against the grain a little bit. So like any advice on starting to question some of that stuff and just like, if that's even possible or is it just such an internal one-to-one type thing? It's a definite one-to-one type thing. But what I will say is that that little, like that little bit of, of truth that like, you know, inside and if it feels uncomfortable to like listen or like even entertain the thought of whatever that little truth is saying um then you know that that's the truth for sure because it shouldn't be comfortable um but whatever that that truth is whatever that is tugging at you follow it um even if you're scared about what uh people are going to think people are going to say um like if your parents or your family are going to be disappointed in you um do it, do it, do it, do it, um, and live that. Uh, because I definitely started to, and I knew like my mom was going to question everything. I was like, Oh my God, I love my mom dearly, but like, how do I handle that? How do I even navigate that whole thing? Cause I don't want to disappoint my mom, but I really need to kind of dig here and follow this path. And it's funny cause here we are a couple years later and now she's doing her own questioning. She's 
doing a bunch of research on her own, reading books into different philosophies and and uh, ways of living. And now she's super into travel. And as a matter of fact, <laughs> she's all excited. She wants um, both of us to go to Bali this summer and kind of experience all of those things herself. So it's really beautiful once you start living that truth. The people that you thought you would maybe hurt or disappoint, um, you actually sometimes end up end up being an inspiration for. So, yeah, follow that truth. That's really cool. It's like even though you were worried about her being disappointed, it's kind of like you sparked that in her as well. And now for you're sure. both able to grow from that. Yeah, and that's that's a big lesson I've learned that has helped tremendously over the past few years. And I realized it's something that held me back in lots of things for a very long time was just like honestly, truly not giving a single fuck about what anyone else thinks. It's hard to do, but I, it's true. <laughs> it is, but do it. <laughs> okay. So you did Bali. How long was that trip um, or that experience? Seven days. Okay. So you did that got back what like getting back from a trip like that I think is almost harder than going in a way like how do you you get back from that you have this transformative experience like now what are you thinking what's going on and you know what are you doing day to day I think the only thing that kept me from going into a massive just like slump of post-trip depression at that point was knowing that I already had Iceland scheduled for a couple of months after that so I knew that I had another experience coming. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I it was after coming back from that trip that I was like, oh, well, don't really know that I can keep doing uh, the worship leading thing. feel like I should probably step back from that. Um, if I'm going to honor truth, I don't want to stand up there um, singing about something that I'm not 100% confident in. So that was a definite change that I came home and made. Um, yeah. Then had that next next trip booked, so that saved me from from just being completely and totally lost and, and sad. So you had booked two before you went on one? I did, dude. So I <laughs> after I left Liberty Mutual, I got that severance package. That was the first thing I did. Had you booked heard of two the, trips? Did you hear the company before? Like how did you come across them and decide to do these group trips instead of kind of your own trip? Yeah, so funny story. So I was a singer-songwriter as well. I've lived many lives. Um, And my drummer's sister-in-law was always traveling around the world, and um, we would have rehearsals at his house, and she would come back. And whenever she was in Austin, she would stay at their house. And I just remember her coming back from this trip. I knew she had been in Iceland or Ireland, I think, actually. And um, so she was like – trying to keep herself awake to adjust back to the time zone. And I was like, what do you do? Like, what, what do you do for a living? Cause your life sounds pretty rad. And, um, she was a, she was one of the first ever trip leaders for under 30 experiences. So that's how I even found out about the company. And so I just always had that in the back of my head and, um, just remember checking out the website and be like, Oh, this is awesome. I don't have to play in anything. Like pfft, sounds fantastic. So, yeah, once I once I got the means to do it, I jumped all up on it and I 
picked Bali and Iceland because I wanted to put myself as far out of my comfort zone as possible in both directions. So, so I did. So was Iceland, did you feel like a, as big of a transformational type thing there? Like how, how was that trip then a few months later? Um, I think since like, like that little flame had already been lit, it wasn't quite as intense for me, but it's still, I mean, it's, it's unlike any place I've ever been, especially from a landscape point of view. I don't think that I got to dive into the local culture quite as much as I did in Bali. Um, but yeah, that's like a whole nother different belief system. So then being exposed to that, it was just like shook me even more. I'm like, Oh my God, I know nothing. I really, really know nothing. I have a lot to go back and evaluate again. Um, but I knew that I, I just, I vibed so much more intensely with Bali always have. So why do you think that is? I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if I like (laughs) lived there like in another life. I don't know. It just, it feels like home. It's just this beautiful like container that just holds you when you're there. It's just, it's epic. Yeah. I'm curious, what, what parts of Bali did you go on, on the experience? So I spent, um, or on that trip, we spend the majority of our time in the Ubud area. So we're more in the jungle and the place that we stay is actually in the jungle outside of Ubud. Um, and we stay in this village of like 250 people. And so we're actually like staying at this place that's in the village. So you walk out every day and you're immediately just like immersed in culture, whether you want to be or not, you're in the village. Um, but we do like an actual tour of family compounds and get to get, um, tons of opportunities to ask questions about, you know, daily lifestyle. And, um, quite often we actually get to experience a ceremony because I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Balinese culture, but they celebrate, everything um and i'm not over exaggerating there like there's a celebration once a year for um items that help them live their daily lives like appliances silverware shit you not like <laughs> they hand make these ornaments and things um they do it for their vehicles too so you'll see all of these little um, decorations on cars. Um, they do it for, they, they do it twice a year for animals. So like for their dogs and things like that, they literally have an entire ceremony for, for animals, for appliances or for whatever they're celebrating that day. And it's beautiful. They're so grateful. What did you see any of the celebrations when you were there? Yes. Um, I can't remember what celebration was going on the very first year, but I've been back every summer since then. So I've, I've been able to be a part of, of several ceremonies since then. Oh, so you've gone back the last two years now after that? Yeah. So funny story. So remember how I said I was hired, um, by under 30 for a marketing position, right? Yeah. So when I actually got that offer, I was doing a two week road trip with another friend that I met through the under 30 experiences alumni network. 
she was a health coach and was just starting her business around the same time I was starting my fitness company. And so we went on this epic like camping road trip uh, from LA to Denver. And so I had gotten my offer from under 30 experiences, accepted, knew that I wasn't going to be starting for like another month and a half. Um, but then while we were on that road trip, I got a call. They knew I had been on the Bali trip before and um, I guess the person that they were going to have lead that trip for for that particular summer um, had just left the company. And so they were kind of scrambling to find someone. They're like, hey, Lindsay, do you want to start early and go lead trips in Bali? I was like, is this real life? Freaking course I do. Like, I'll find the nearest airport and go home right now. Um, so that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Came home, packed, left within 36 hours. So, yeah, so, I, so that was your first time leading? Yeah. And so what was that like being in that position as opposed to just kind of going along with the group? Um, amazing. Like I said, since that, that place had such an intense impact on me, um, the summer before and I'd been on the trip, so I knew the trip. And of course I, I got to go out there and review everything with our, our local trip leader, um, that we have there in Bali beforehand. But it was just like being able to usher people through an experience that impacted me so intensely was just like the greatest gift that life could have ever provided me. Truly. So I got to spend about a month out there. Uh, that was last summer. And then I did it again this past summer. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm so jealous. <laughs> it's amazing. It's it's my favorite. I'm super, super biased about that trip. Understandable. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cool place. It um, is. Okay, I've got to ask this. I'm sure you get it all the time. Do it. Do you have to be under 30 to do an experience with the company? You do not. Um, so we we target ages 21 to 35. Um, however, we don't even have necessarily a hard stop, per se, at 35. If you are over 35, um, we just kind of let you know like you're, there are solid chances that you'll be traveling with someone that maybe has never traveled before. So just kind of be be aware of that. Um, but we have a very hard start of, of 21. We're not out here trying to babysit. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah. So are most people who go on these trips, are they people who've like never been out of the U.S.? Or are they like what sort of people do you find come on these trips? Dude, it totally depends. I'm still trying to figure it out. We get such a wide array of people. So I actually, um, I led trips for a good six months of this year. I left Austin in March and just got back at the end of uh, August, or early September. And that's something I was thinking about the whole time. I was like, oh my God, like we have like older people that are, when I say older, <laughs> older than 35. So like <laughs> 30, we had like a 38, 39 year old um, who was an oncologist. So like hyper-professional in the medical industry we had a girl on the same trip who had never even taken a flight before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And she chose her <laughs> first time to ever be on a plane was to go to Ireland. And I was like, you ma'am are my new hero. That's amazing. That's what I'm talking about. Jump in. So, um, so you never know. We get such a, a, a crazy mix of people. We do get 
a lot of people in education and um, like medical fields. So like teachers, nurses, people that have kind of a limited um, time off where they can only take time off during a certain time of the year. And so they want things to be planned for them. They don't want to have to, to put the extra time into to do all that themselves. So it's just easier way for them to travel. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. A few more like questions just about how the, how it works in general. Cause I've never done one of these and, but it sounds really cool and I'm yeah, considering sure. doing it. So like how big are the groups you go with? Are they kind of open to anyone or is it like a set number of tickets or Great seats, I guess? question. So this is another thing that really differentiates under 30 experiences from the vast majority of other small group travel companies um, is that we are actually a small group travel company. So most of our trips are capped at no more than 18 people. Um, and I've had trips as small as like seven, seven or eight. Um, and the reason that we like to keep those smaller is we, we are very community based. Um, so more than just experiencing the place that we're going, we are very much about getting to know the people that you're traveling with. Like it becomes these little, these little family pods, um, and we have communities here in the state. So once you've been on a trip with us, um, you can go to these little community meetups that we have. So it ranges anything from like a hike on a Saturday to a happy hour on a random Thursday just to hang out with other people that have either been on trips or are interested in going on trips. So, um, so yeah, we keep the groups small so that we can actually connect, form relationships. Okay. And so like is everything you do like structured? Like is what what part of your days are like okay, this is what we're doing today and how much of it is like we're here for 2-3 days, go and do whatever you want. Great question. So it totally depends on the trip. Um but this is something that we say at the beginning of all of our trips like ultimately like this is your vacation. So of course we have an itinerary set, but if there's something that you do not want to do, you don't have to do it. If there's something that you really want to do that is not on the itinerary, talk to us. Let's see if we can make it happen. Um, so we do a really good job of kind of having that balance on all of our trips, um, kind of accounting for a good, good chunk of time that you can kind of do your own thing. Um, or do nothing if that's what you want to do, um, kind of balanced with lots of, of different planned activities. But something else that we really try our best to do is to find things that you wouldn't be able to find yourself. Otherwise, that defeats the purpose of of going on a trip with us if you could just plan it yourself, right? So, um, for example, in Bali, we have this river hike that we do that you can't find on Google. Um, we like hike and boulder all through this, this river and we get to the top where there's this waterfall and then we can swim back down. But it's just cool little things like that that you, you would never be able to find on your own. Okay. And so yeah. when, um, cause I've looked at some of the packages and, it's like it looks like a set price and gets you a good amount of things. So what exactly yeah. does like your money go towards when you're buying an experience? Yeah, so everything on our trips is included 
other than lunches and then flights. Um, of course, people are flying in from different places. They want to fly in early, stay late. So that's a bit too complex to try to organize for a group. Um, but once you arrive at the destination, um, what you're paying for includes everything the rest of the trip. There, We have a couple of trips that we have some optional activities that you can pay for. Like not everyone wants to go surfing in Costa Rica. So that's something that we take into account. So if, if you want to go surfing during your downtime, um, we organize that for you. But that's not necessarily included in the price. But for the vast majority of our trips, um, all of the activities that are listed online are included in that price. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, so what did you like most specifically about doing this group type trip as opposed to your own other than having everything planned for you, which you already kind of said, Ah, <laughs> uh, the people, it's so crazy. Um, cause my very first trip to Bali, um, I, I made some incredible friendships. Like these people quickly became some of my favorite humans, uh, to the point that when I went on my Iceland trip, I was, I was really concerned. I was like, man, like, there's no way this group is going to be as cool. Like, I totally lucked out with my first group. Like, I was just already mentally preparing myself for not connecting as deeply with with people on that trip, and I was wrong. I made <laughs> some even deeper friendships, people that I definitely still keep in contact with on a regular basis today. Um, and so I think that's the the other thing that I loved so much about it was just coming away from these trips with with amazing friendships and then also contacts from all across the United States for sure. Even Canada, we attract travelers from all over the place. So knowing that if I am traveling domestically and I am going to be say in Colorado for a couple of days, I can link up with some people that I met in Iceland and go hang out with them or sleep on their couch for the night, you know? So it's, you kind of become part of this much larger much larger community. I really like that. That's really cool yeah. that you can that you have that alumni network. Yeah, so yeah, after you go on a trip with under 30 experiences, you become a part of their alumni network. Um, and we have this huge group on Facebook. So if you if you're traveling somewhere or you need a recommendation for something, you just drop it in there as a question and you'll get like 40 responses easy. So it's, it ends up being an amazing resource as well. Are, are trips only open to people within the U.S.? Because I know like a lot of them right now are international, like the experiences. Are they yeah. – do you have to be from the U.S. to do these? You don't have to be. Um, we market primarily – we market really only to the U.S. just because we saw more of a need for it here, uh, for people kind of – to help people kind of break out of their rut a little bit, show them, um, show them the world for lack of better words. You know, we tend to be one of the least traveled cultures across the world. And that's why we focus on the, um, the American millennial market, uh, primarily, but we somehow, we still do get travelers from all across the globe. They, they find us. So. Okay. I'm curious. So you've done, two trips with them you've led I've done three. Th oh, you've done three what was your third I, I hiked the inca trail to machu picchu oh gosh it was epic <laughs> <laughs> okay i want to hear about that but before yeah. we do 
So, okay, you've done three experiences with them. You've led three now, or probably way more, actually. Oh, God. I don't even know. I led... So I was gone for six months. I led um, trips in Ireland, Italy, France, Spain, Bali, and Thailand, and several times in each of those places. So, do you I, have? Did you have to be like an expert on these places before leading them? Like, no. So for for most of our trips, um, we have a local partner. So we'll have like a local guide um, and um, a North American guide with under 30 experiences. So it's kind of partnered. So we have one person that's like the expert on the local knowledge. And then one person that, um, is the expert with the North American people. (laughs) (laughs) So to kind of be that, be that bridge. Um, yeah. So for most of them, there were a couple that, um, that we didn't have them for at the time, but it would be places like Ireland where we speak the same language. That one's pretty simple. And I had already been a few times before, before I led that one by myself. Okay. So after doing these leadings and doing the trips, um, as a, I guess, a guest, do you have any desire to kind of go out and try your own traveling on your, uh, like solo or with a small, like two, three people and kind of try to plan everything yourself or do you love this form of travel and think you're going to continue to do that? Um, I mean, I'm always down for, for travel in any form. I don't think that I would ever just stick to one way. Um, but that being said, I don't think that I would ever just travel solo or just travel with myself and a few other people. I think the small group is just, is kind of where it's at for several reasons. Um, yeah, so I think it's all a mix of all of them. Of course, like while I was leading trips during my downtime, I was traveling around by myself, um, which I enjoy, but I love people. If you haven't kind of figured this out already, I love to talk and it doesn't go over quite as well when I'm just talking to myself all the time. So I, I love having someone else to talk to. Could you uh, go through a few more of those reasons? Because a lot of the people I've had on the podcast have been solo travelers, and they're they're all huge advocates of it. Um, So I'm curious to kind of see the other perspective of, of, uh, of group travel. Yeah, I think for me, again, one of the main things is going to be, um, having access to places and experiences that I would not have been able to find by myself. Um, especially in these places that are, that are a bit further away, Southeast Asia. Um, so it's not like I could go on Google and find this river hike or find this village and find someone to let me go through their family compound and show me how their culture works. Um, so yeah, I think having access to, to those special little things like that is one thing. Um, Number two, of course, traveling in groups, um, you meet a bunch and I, I don't like this term like-minded people cause I feel like it's so vague, but, but truly like, if you think about it, it's other people that are wanting to do the same thing that you are. Um, so they're probably pretty cool. So immediately putting yourself in a setting to have really cool experiences with other people that, 
you already know are going to be pretty cool. That's another thing. So you're getting guaranteed friendships out of these. Um, and then just like, you don't have that fear of like, oh my God, what if something goes wrong? Like, what if I get to the airport and I pay way too much for a taxi or like there's this communication barrier and I go to the wrong place and oh my God, what if this or that happens? Just, just like totally eliminates any of those fears and worries. So it's easy. So to play devil's advocate a little bit, do it. <laughs> <laughs> the myself included, and a lot of the people who are like huge advocates of solo traveling would say that's kind of part of the adventure and part of the fun and part of the the learning process of traveling is, yeah, you might get screwed over with this and that kind of sucks, but in the same way, that's like makes the journey more not unique, but just more exciting in a way maybe that's just the type of personality you need to have to think it's kind of fun for sure to, kind of fun to deal with that fear <laughs> for sure and and I would agree to an extent like I definitely enjoy doing those things um but there's a lot of people especially if they have never traveled before um that that stresses them out to the point that it makes them not even want to travel they're like screw it I'll just never go because that's like gives me crazy anxiety so just kind of finding that balance and then helping those people um, usher them to and through these experiences that they wouldn't have had um, because they let that fear hold them back. And a lot of people, once they travel with us and they kind of get past that fear a bit, then they travel solo, which we love. Like our goal is never like only travel with us. Like we want you to, we want to pull you out of your rut, give you these experiences, um, and yeah, like set you off and do your own thing. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people who probably like, they just kind of blow those fears out of proportion and then they never leave. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so like with, with companies like U30X and I don't know what like your competitors are, but, um, with companies like these kind of gaining popularity, and just kind of with millennials seeming to have some different values, especially when traveling, like how do you think travel is changing most right now? Mm, There's lots of different ways to answer that. Um, I definitely, well, it's first of all, it's becoming far more accessible um, due to companies like this. Um, But it's also kind of creating a problem in some areas um, where we're seeing like over tourism becoming a problem because travel is so accessible or so accessible now. Um, and oh man, I just totally lost my train of thought. I was going to go in another direction. Where was I going? Dang. Um, because travel is so accessible over tourism. Oh, and then there's other places that have become so reliant on tourism. Once people kind of start moving on to other locations, then it's kind of leaving those places like, oh my God, what do we do? Like our economy was so heavily based on tourism and that's all we know. So now we have to get people to keep coming here, um, which just creates a whole nother issue in itself. So, um, yeah, it's, it's. There's lots of things happening in the in the travel world. So I think for us, something we're constantly working on is just finding finding new places to go that 
aren't so easily accessible um, so that we're still able to provide provide a service to people, giving them something that they couldn't do by themselves. As a company, do you feel like there's a responsibility you have to make sure you're not adding to that over-tourism or like... Big time. Yeah. Big time. Um, So that's, we have a huge sustainability policy um, that we kind of weave into every aspect of our trip. So, um, and in most of the places that we travel, we also have community projects. We never want to be necessarily a service-based organization, uh, for lack of better words. We don't want to turn into like a mission trip company. That's not what we do. Um, but we do partner with local communities um, and do kind of cultural exchanges. So in Peru, we have this little community um, that, I mean, they make all of these beautiful things. As a matter of fact, the bag that I'm looking at right now that I carry every single day is from there. Um, so they make these beautiful items, but it's such a long trek for them to get to the city that they don't really ever get to sell them. And so we go into this community, we do this big cultural exchange. Um, we help with farming, um, we do all kinds of stuff with them. We spend the entire day in this community and then get the get the opportunity to to purchase any of these things from from the local community to be able to help them. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Peru a little bit because I know one of your articles was titled "I Think I Love You, Peru." I uh, do. <laughs> And you said you did the Machu or the Inca trail hike. Yes. So yeah, can you tell me a little bit about Peru and why this <sighs> place stood out so much to you? Magic! It's so great. Um, the Andes Mountains are just incredible. Um, but I think so. I mean, the trail itself was epic. Just being nestled in these huge mountains for four days straight while you're trekking to Machu Picchu. Um, was just unreal, such a cool experience. But I think the thing that stood out to me the most is actually the little community that I was just talking about, the experience that I had there. Like, I don't think, I don't think I've ever smiled so much in my entire life. I don't think that my smile actually left my face the entire time we were in the community from the moment that we showed up, they like were getting out of this van and they take us by the hand and start like, dancing with us and there's all these traditional instruments drums and flutes being played and that's that's like our welcoming was this ceremony that you're just immediately a part of um it was just the coolest thing and they're just so happy again it all comes down to the people for me so yeah it was a really cool experience but um i will say the actual trek itself like i'm in pretty good physical shape um, that was like one of the hardest things I've ever done. Really? For sure. Oh yeah. What made it so hard? Um, I think honestly, like living in Texas, there's almost no elevation here. And so being at such a high elevation and it's just like, you're, you're literally walking stairs eight to 12 hours a day for, for four <laughs> days straight. Um, and it's like your main goal is just to get to the next stopping point. Um, and so it was it was a huge physical and even more so mental challenge for me, just getting out of my own head. 
um, to be able to do that, kind of getting past my ego a bit because I was uh, still a personal trainer at the time. So seeing these other – there, I remember there was a girl on my trip that at the beginning of it, she was like – yeah, like making a joke out of it. She's like, yeah, I, I walk my dog sometimes. And I was like, oh, girl, <laughs> you're about to die. And I've been like training for this, right? It was like a 10-pound weight vest doing these hikes. She beasted it up those mountains. And I was so mad. <laughs> and so just that was like a huge opportunity for me to get past my ego a bit. And, uh, yeah, just enjoy, enjoy the ride. What dog was she walking then? That's what I, I didn't ask that question in my head. It was definitely just like this little bitty dog, but it could have been a monster. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So are you glad you did that hike still, even though it was so grueling? Oh, for sure. Like there's no other way to see Machu Picchu. Um, well, that's not true. There's many <laughs> other ways to see it. But um, for me, I think the experience of going through that made seeing Machu Picchu even more, even more magical almost like you earned it more in a way for sure yeah so when when you do these just so vast experiences and so unique to this area and you get back home like do you try to incorporate anything like whether some lifestyle type things you've seen in these other cultures or mindsets you've kind of developed through traveling like do you try to incorporate these back into your daily life back at home big time Big time. Um, to the point that it almost makes it a little bit difficult coming back every time um, because you're so deeply held in these cultures and you start taking on bits and pieces of them and then you come back here and it's like, oh God, here we are again with all of these things happening all the time and being worried about completely different things. So um, there's always a bit of a learning curve coming home and figuring out what pieces um, you want to keep from what you learned and what pieces you want to leave. But I think even more than what you learn from the actual cultures is what you learn about yourself. And I think I will add this to my list of things that I like about small group travel is especially if you go on these trips by yourself, you're given a very unique opportunity to be whoever the fuck you want to be. These people don't know you. So you don't have these underlying expectations to be the way you've always been and show up the way that you've always been expected to show up when you're at home. So you get this opportunity to, to kind of play a little bit and, and figure out who you really are. And maybe you react to a situation differently than when you, than what you would at home. And so it gives you this opportunity to kind of, to play with that a bit, to get to know yourself even better um, so then when you come home it, it's even more beautiful thing to really reflect back and think about like what pieces of yourself you really liked, um, when you were traveling and what, what pieces you, you think you might just go ahead and leave at that destination and come home a bit differently. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's weird yeah. how, like when you go traveling, you see these places and all these external things it like is such an introspective type thing for sure. It, like, I don't, I, I guess it kind of makes sense. Cause it, like we talked about earlier, it does make you question certain things, whether that's your lifestyle back home or your belief system or what you value, just seeing it just so vividly and so explicitly in another culture. Then suddenly you're just like, 
whoa, why why don't I think that way? Or is the way I think the right way? Or it's kind of crazy just how introspective something like that can be. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so what I had a question. Oh yeah. So a lot of like the focus of under 30 seems to be around millennials, obviously with the target group of 21 to 35. Why, why millennials? And like, how do you cater towards that market? Like, do they, do you find that they really do travel quite differently from older generations? And like, do you have any idea why their mission is to focus on millennials? Yeah, for sure. So a couple of things. So we tend to be a bit more adventure based, not saying that an older crowd like couldn't hang, but um, we're finding that a lot of people are in the millennial crowd are far more into like adventure based, experiential based type trips. So more so than just going to um, a luxury resort and like having cocktails all day, we actually um, want to go experience these places, experience it like a local for lack of better words. Um, and we're seeing that's a huge trend in the millennial market. And that's kind of something that we've always been about anyway. So it was just a natural emergence there. Um, but I think originally when it started, I know the two co-founders um, had founded a company called Under 30 CEO. And so it was targeted more to young entrepreneurs. And then it was through that that they got the opportunity to go on a trip with a group of, of other small um, or young entrepreneurs. And then they were like, Oh my God, this is so much cooler than, than what we were doing. Like maybe let's just focus on this. And so that's kind of um, how under 30 was birthed in a very, 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 very short story. <laughs> yeah. Is there a, a medium story on more of that? <laughs> yeah. I'm so curious. one of the co-founders, Matt Wilson, went on a trip to Iceland um, where he that was like really his first big international trip where he was exposed to another culture and was like, oh, my God, like other people need to see this like they need they need to experience this. And so he kind of gathered a small group of of other young entrepreneurs and took them to Iceland with him. And they all agreed like this was just an epic experience. And then he was like, God, like he, he was working on wall street at the time and goes back and he was just kind of like, man, is this really what I want to be doing? Like I, I want, I want new people. I want meaning. I want authenticity. I want truth. And, um, decided a, a good way to do that would be to see if what other kind of people would want to come on these trips. Um, so really, it just started as wanting to find a network of other really rad people, not just entrepreneurs. Like maybe there's more people around my age that want to do this. And so there's under 30. <laughs> and now you're here. <laughs> and now we're here. So kind of like um, from Matt's story and from your earlier uh, career and switching to this, like what what level of importance do you think passion and meaning plays into your work? A hundred thousand percent of it, (laughs) especially mine personally. Um, That's everything. Like, yeah. Um, Well, were you asking as from a company standpoint or me personally? Uh, I guess the answer is kind of the same. (laughs) You personally. Yeah. 
yeah, me personally, um, passion and purpose is everything. The moment that I am no longer fully engaged in what I'm doing and I don't feel like I'm um, actually serving a purpose that I feel like I'm just going through the motions is the day that, that I won't, I won't be here anymore, but I, I don't see that happening because I finally found something that, uh, that my personal, um, values just perfectly aligns with. So, yeah. yeah when, do you feel like those have changed pretty drastically or like they've always kind of been there and you just haven't been following them? Like, like what happens if those values change or shift around? Um, yeah, I think nothing is ever, nothing ever stays the same. Right. So I think as soon as I think I've always had these underlying values, um, but definitely they also change. Like my values used to be a hundred percent wrapped around like success in the Western terms and money. And I was on, a track that I was like, my goal was to retire by the time I was 35, which is laughable now because I'm not too far from 35 and I'm, I'm not retiring anytime soon. Let me tell you that. Um, but my mindset completely did a 180 in that regard. I was like, you know, why would I want to, to like waste these years of my life if I could just figure out how to fully enjoy what I'm doing and get to experience life to the fullest at the same time? Like, why would I not do that? I could die tomorrow, and then what have I worked for? That seems silly. So, um, yeah, I think I think value systems are an ever-changing thing for most people, especially as we have new experiences. We're exposed to new things. Um, I think they will always change, and so I think life should probably change accordingly, right? Yeah. So do you, for these value systems, do you, like, do any – like tangible things or practices to see like what they are and what aligns with them? Or is it more just like kind of um, testing and kind of getting a sense of what works and going from there? Is it like, do you feel like it's kind of, I can't think of the right word for it. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. If I'm understanding you correctly, I think um, definitely testing and getting a sense for, but at the same time, like over the past couple of years, I've I've definitely been far more focused on like a meditation practice, which I feel is kind of becoming like the whole mindfulness thing is kind of becoming, I don't know. It's like overused. I don't think that people are fully understanding what all that encompasses. It's just like becoming a term that's that's thrown around. Um, but yeah, definitely adopting that practice and falling like face first into the the yoga community, but not yoga in the Western terms, like yoga as as what it was actually created to be um, in the Eastern world. And through that, done a lot of self discovery, and I think um, that's the best way that I've found to find those personal values, like where they, where they really lie. What is yoga in the Eastern world? Ooh, man, let's do this. You ready <laughs> for this ride? Yeah. Um, so yoga is more than just the, the asana practice. So here in the Western world, we think yoga, we think, Oh, we go in, we do these movements with our body. We sweat, right? So that's really just one of what we can call steps, like eight steps. Um, to kind of prepare you for meditation, which the ultimate goal of meditation 
is like union with your, um, let's say creator, your, your energy source, whatever you want to call it, whatever that is for each individual person. Um, so it was never meant to be just this physical practice practice to, to make sure we look sexy. That's, that's not at all what yoga is. Um, yeah, it's far, it has a lot more to do with, uh, with the inner work. So is that something you think the Western society could adopt or is that just oh so, my God, so yes. far away from most people's understandings and they kind of hear like spiritual and they're like, Ooh, I'm not like that. Like, <laughs> Right. Um, I definitely think that it's something that's being slowly adopted. Um, if you look hard enough, there are definitely studios all across the States that, that get it, um, from that standpoint. Um, yeah, I know it sucks that that term like scares a lot of people, myself included for years, truly people have said spiritual, I was like, Oh, mer, nope. <laughs> Um, but it truly means something, uh, something quite a bit different than what we've been taught. What is yeah. it? What does it mean to you? Um, for me, it's like, Oh, I'm about to get real hippie on you. Um, so for, for me, it's more about like, like we're, this is my belief system currently, which could change in like the next year, who knows, um, that we're far more than just this body. Um, that we were far more than just this body before we came on this earth. We'll be far more than just this body when we leave. Um, and if we look at it from a scientific standpoint, energy, energy, it's never like created. It never expires. It's always reused, right? That's what we learn in science. So if that's the truth, then ultimately we're made of things that have been here for far longer than even us as humans have been here. So um, just figuring out what that is, like who I actually am, like beyond this this human form. So, so I'm curious, have you ever done like a meditation or yoga retreat, like a multi-day silent type thing? I haven't done a silent retreat, but I would be totally into it. I just haven't, haven't had the opportunity yet. Okay. Cause yeah, a lot of, I, I only did like a two day one, but I had some people on who did a 10 day silent one and it like, it kind of sounds similar. They're just like, when you stop getting all this external stimuli and really go deep into yourself, it, you just feel like there's so much more than what's, what is now like. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it sounds like like you said a little bit type of hippie stuff, but oh yeah, I mean we can do a whole another episode on that. I'm trying to keep it like <laughs> keep it at the sur- surface level for now. For the audience, yeah. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. Is that something that you have like felt like for most of your life, or something you kind of maybe understood more through traveling or reading or some other? resources like well how did that come about for you all of the above so my entire life it was always this external thing like this this god or this spirit um, was always this external thing that we were like reaching for um whereas through through travel and exposure to other um belief systems and cultures and reading um i found that perhaps it's something that we don't have to reach for that's already there. It's more a process of, 
of undoing, um, of unbecoming, if you will, to figure out uh, what you've been all along. So how do you practice that, if that's the correct term? Like, in you know, when yeah. you have a job and you have things and you need to pay bills and get money and all these things that you kind of need to focus on in day-to-day life, like, how do you merge those two worlds together? Yeah, man, that's a perfect way to, to put it, merging the worlds, having one foot in each world. Um, it's hard and it was really hard coming back, uh, from this most recent stint of travel, especially spending the last three months in Southeast Asia, where it's just such a well-known thing. It's like, it just is. Everyone is like raised in that culture and then coming back here and you're just like immediately overstimulated. Like you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh shit, I need to like work out, eat, get my coffee, go to work. Like, where do I find time to, to meditate and to like calm down and slow down and listen? Um, so I think it really all comes down to um, making it a habit, making it a practice. Meditation, that is. Yeah, the listening um, and the learning, of course. So seeking it out once you're once you're back home. Um, which I've had to do. I even like I'm at a completely different yoga studio than what I was at before I left this time. Okay, so it's you really have to be um, conscious of it and make for it, sure make it a priority in your day to day life. Absolutely, and, and yeah, it's interesting because that's um, I I try to meditate like every day as well. And but there's days when you wake up and you feel like oh I just need to go and get started right away and then suddenly half your day is over and you're like whoa what have I been doing like yeah I don't even like what what did I do the last three four hours like (laughs) yep and it's and it's weird how maybe not weird but how like that practice is maybe one of the first things people will sacrifice when they get busy or they have a lot going on and even though it should be the opposite. That should be what they focus on when all that external stuff is going on. Like, do you, you are nailing it. <laughs> do you feel a difference on the days where, like, oh, I just don't have time to do this today? Like, do you feel a difference in your mind or body? Like, oh it... my god, yes. I have such an intense mind. Um, I notice it's it's way worse on the days that I don't make that. Like the first thing that I do. Absolutely. Especially if I go a couple of days without making that the first thing I do. Good grief. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I get to be a bit ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah. Like that's just, I'm, cause I've been really bad lately about, uh, doing it consistently about meditating yeah. consistently. And I've been running, uh, I did a few half marathons. And nice. so like on the days I run, i just feel so much better in like every regard, I go to bed and I fall asleep much easier. So now I'm wondering like, dang, if I can notice this big of a difference just from some serious exercise, I wonder if, if I get into a really good consistent routine with some meditation and things like that, if you start start to notice that as well on the days where you don't do it. For sure. And I think the the easiest way to do that, because I think a lot of us are like, oh, I need to sit down and at least do this for 30 minutes. But that's like not it's not realistic when you're first starting. It's just not, it's a practice. Um, just like you can't 
go out and run 13.1 miles the first time that you go run. It's just like not really how it works, right? You have to build up to that. So I think just like having that patience, it's just like consistency over time. And that goes for anything that you, that you want to be good at for lack of better words. But, um, just having those realistic expectations with yourself, like, Hey, I'm going to commit to like five minutes every day this week. I'm going to commit to 10 minutes every day this week. And then just building that over time to where it gets to a point to where, like when you first start 10 minutes seems like a freaking eternity. Oh my God. (laughs) And then it gets to a point where like 15, 20 minutes goes by and you feel like you've only been sitting for a few. It's, uh, it's cool once you really start getting into it. Yeah. Do you have any like resources or things you used maybe when you're starting that out or to build it up? Like, or is it mostly like going to a studio and I guess that's a resource as well, but um, maybe in like your personal practice? Yeah. So personal practice, I was using Headspace when I first started. Um, I think that's a, like a fantastic tool to use. Um, if you're brand new to, to the meditation practice, I think that it does a great job of just kind of explaining what meditation actually is, um, that it's not so much like controlling the mind as much as, as it is just like being observant. So it does a great job of introducing um, what can be very, very complex um, ideas and makes them very palatable for for somebody that's just being introduced to it. Okay, good to know. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's just a good way to put it. Like, you just kind of have to build it up. You're not going to go out and run a half marathon on the first day, so. For sure. Um, okay, kind of uh, kind of switching gears. Not really, though. Um <laughs> So when you're traveling and kind of in these periods of your life, whether you're leading these experiences well, um, where it's kind of different from your typical routine and day-to-day life back in Austin, mm-hmm. how do you maintain your wellness and whether that's physical Ooh. and mental, spiritual, nutrition-wise, like how do you continue that and the good habits you've built up when you're in these Such different... Such a good question. Such a good question. <laughs> Um, it's funny because, and this is something I was thinking about last week for, for whatever reason, whenever I'm traveling, I'm almost better about my routine. Cause I swear to God, sometimes when I'm at home, like I'll set my alarm early. I'm like, well, I'm going to get up and run this morning. Then I'm going to meditate. I'm on point so that I don't have to worry about it after work, but it's so much easier for me to stay in my bed when I'm at home. And I know I don't need to be at the office until like whatever time. Whereas if I'm running a trip, like I know that like I, like other people are depending on me to be somewhere at this certain point. And so like, I know that I have to get this done in the morning. And so for whatever reason, like when I'm traveling, I'm so on point, not that I'm not at home, but I'm like even more consistent, uh, when I travel. Um, yeah, so I think as far as like what I'm doing definitely changes depending on where I am. Um, so I usually kind of try to mix it up. Like I will frequent yoga studios wherever I am, but I do a lot of um, like body weight hit training whenever I travel. So I don't even have to like leave my room. I can do everything right there. Um, yeah, meditation practice too because it's nice to kind of change up the scenery for that a bit 
so how about nutrition wise because that one gets tricky yeah you're in a new place and they have all these (laughs) new foods and sometimes it's a lot of desserts or sweets or things that you are asking the good questions right now man so that is totally for me location dependent um southeast asia i had a much easier time with that especially bali like piece of cake for me to eat well there um some other european countries like france for sure um because it's like cheese and bread heavy it's very rich food um it it's a bit more difficult so i have to be like hyper conscious about what i'm doing and what i'm eating when i'm there but at the same time giving myself a little bit of grace especially if i'm leading a trip like i don't want to be that like girl that's being a total Nazi about her food. I don't want other people to, to feel like they're being judged for like eating everything on their trip. Um, but at the same time, like reminding people if, if I ever am not eating a certain thing, being like, Hey, this is y'all's vacation. Like, please eat all the things. I can't keep doing that all the time. (laughs) That's not a sustainable way to live. Um, so yeah, just just being really aware and making good conscious decisions. Easier said than done. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you know me. That's what I'm. I haven't been to Europe yet, but I want to go soon. And that's one of the main things I'm worried about is like eating, because especially like Italy and France, like all the pasta and Dude. pizza, and it's like. I know Here's... it's got to be so good. <laughs> it is okay. What blew my mind about Italy, though. Um, cause I was so scared about going there cause there, we go to a lot of these really tiny towns, um, which are incredible. They're beautiful little places. Um, but I, so I was talking with our Italian trip leader and, uh, I was like, dude, I'm just going to go find a salad. He, he laughed at me and I was like, what? He was like, you're not going to find a salad here. And I was like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? I'm not going to find a salad. He was like, have you seen anywhere that sells a salad in this town? I was like, well, I'm going to go find it. I should you not. The closest I found to a salad that day was a veggie pizza. <laughs> yeah. So some of these little places, it's just, it is what it is. It's pasta, it's pizza, it's gelato. And there will be like 10 gelato shops in these tiny towns, but like not one place where you can buy a salad. But for some reason, and I'm sure it has quite a bit to do with the way that they process um, certain ingredients far differently than than we do um it it didn't like nothing made me feel bad um like physically like I didn't feel I didn't ever feel sick or bloated I somehow lost weight in Italy like what how does that even happen um so yeah I'm still trying to figure out the science behind that one but but yeah don't don't be scared to eat all the good things there okay that's good to know I'm uh have a huge sweet tooth so Those gelato shops might be in trouble. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's talk a little bit more about your experiences working um, with Under 30. I'm curious on some of the other stuff you've done other than the experiences and leading those. Um, So like when you're back in Austin, and and I think Catherine said that you're working on building community and uh, you said marketing as well. Yeah, yeah. So so when I was originally hired, it was for a marketing position. So I was doing what Kat is doing now. So running the blog, social media, um, like promotions, graphics, videos, all those things, which I still 
dabble quite a bit with um, the graphics and videos and stuff. I just love doing the creative end of stuff. Um, but yeah, so now I'm doing quite a bit more with our community and also building out our affiliate program. Um, so working with influencers, um, trying to be just like really strategic about who we're working with on that end. Um, because we, we aren't like, there's so many travel bloggers, as you know, and like influencers with all these followers and like, that's cool. But is that really like who we are? So it's, it's been very interesting process navigating those waters, trying to find someone who we would have like similar audiences with, but is also cool, like (laughs) down to earth, not egotistical, which hate to say it, but it's been a real struggle to find, um, the right people to work with on that end. But so that's one thing I'm doing. Um, but the other big, sorry, real quick. What do you you mean by building community? Okay. So that's exactly what I was about to talk about next. So, (laughs) um, yeah, so we, like I kind of alluded to earlier, so we have, um, a huge alumni network here in the States. Um, and we have all of these little community meetups. So we have, I think we're pushing like 40 communities now across the States in different cities, different major cities around the States, which is where we have those like happy hours and hikes and like get together and do fun stuff. Um, but what we're doing now in 2019 is we are hosting six major weekend events, um, which you and I kind of talked about earlier, um, which are kind of like emergence of these little meetups that we have with an actual under 30 experiences trip. So doing weekend events like we're doing a ski weekend at Hunter Mountain in New York in January or doing a food and wine tour in Chicago in March, or I know we're doing like a mountain weekend in Colorado, or we're doing, um, it'll be next November, so about a year from now, we're doing like a huge under 30 alumni family reunion. So it'll be like an adult summer camp type thing here in Austin. So everybody can fly into that and just come hang and act like some clowns and get together for the weekend. So um, so yeah, just really, cause we've, we've had a strong online presence with our community for years. Um, like I talked about earlier, our, our Facebook platform that we use is a huge resource for, for all of our alumni. Um, but really taking that, um, from behind the, behind the screen and, and kind of, um, getting to see people more in person, you know? Yeah. So is that, are these events only open to alumni or are they, no, if you've never been on a are, trip? Yeah. These are for anybody. So if, if somebody kind of has been thinking about going on a trip, but they're not real sure, want to kind of come check out the culture, perfect opportunity for that. Or, um, if you just like don't have the means to, to get out of the country, but you can make it to one of our trips here, come on. And so they're, so there's six in 2019. Correct. So since I'm in Chicago right now, like tell me about how, is it Friday to Sunday? Is it, yeah. does your money get you the same sort of things like tickets to these events or meals at the you restaurants and accommodation? You got it. Yep. So accommodations, tickets to events, 
Um, there are a couple of trips that we're going to make a few things optional just because it, it makes the most sense. Like maybe not everyone wants to go rock climbing. So um, there will be a couple of things that will be optional just like on our, our normal trips. But for the majority of them, like I know for sure the Chicago food and wine tour, like the whole wine tour, the whole food tour, like all those tickets are included. Accommodations are definitely included. Meals are included. Yeah. So just, just like a trip, man. That's really cool. Do you think that are these kind of like a, a testing ground for potentially opening up some, some larger experiences in the U S maybe <laughs> yeah so Testing we're we're definitely <laughs> yep definitely dipping our toes in that um but for this year we wanted to make sure that we really kept it community focused we our community is so rad um and they've been asking for for things like that for a long time so so we wanted to yeah kind of provide them what they've been asking for so and kind of giving them first dibs on access cuz we are um capping these just like we would a normal trip. So most of them are capped, um, around the 20 person mark. Um, yeah. So making sure that they at least kind of hear about it first, but I'll say if you keep an eye on our community page on our website, so under 30 experiences.com slash community right there at the top, you can see all of the locations and dates for those under three day trips is what we're calling them. And it also shows the release dates on there. So as long as you keep an eye on the release date, set yourself a reminder uh, to register as soon as it pops up. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at those right now. So New York is already sold out. Dude, it sold out in four hours. (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we have like 27 people on the wait list. So we were like, we're (laughs) going to wait and release the other ones kind of at the same time. We're like, maybe we should start releasing those before the end of the year so wow okay so i'm just gonna read these off too so people know so then so new york was the first one that sold out and you got chicago food and wine tour colorado mountain weekend Ooh, i like that yeah california oh gosh california beach weekend do you do you know where in cali that is san diego oh sweet um then georgia for a camping trip and mm-hmm. Austin for a family reunion. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm going to maybe do the Chicago one since I don't have to buy a plane ticket. That would be so fun. So I'll actually be at all of them. So I'll be I'll be kind of the trip leader staffing those this year. Okay, cool. So I'm excited. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, so what other – do you know any other like sort of – expansion type things you guys are looking at um like how many do you know how many experiences you have right now and like i'm sure you are wanting to grow some of those and find other places throughout the world like how are you trying to do that but also not grow too fast at the same time you are asking all the right questions today so um we have if i'm not mistaken 26 different trips right now we do have I think two more that we'll be releasing in 2019. Um, so, I mean, every year we're constantly releasing, releasing new locations. Um, and we, we actually field our alumni network for that. So we aren't just like 
picking destinations out of thin air based on where the masses are wanting to go. We really cater to our community. So we actually ask them where they want to go and try to build off of that. Um, so we actually have a, a guy that's in product development that um, his like sole job is to to kind of seek these places and partners and vendors out and, and put these epic experiences together. So, um, so yeah, we will have a couple more for you in 2019. That's all I can say on that. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I don't know if you know this or not, if, but like what are like some of the main challenges you have to deal with when trying to get these like trips together you know are you having to talk with the government of these places are you having to get special visas or like what is you are asking yeah, all the good I stuff can't... man so so yeah uh we definitely do have to do that but we partner with um a lot of local companies there so i know in peru our peruvian trip leader um owns another like company in Peru um, that handles everything with all of the like the visa situation, the permits for hiking. Um, so that's something that he's very well versed in. So it's not something that, that we have to worry about separately. And that's something we rely heavily on our local partners for. Same thing in Brazil, because um, that's a, a special visa situation in itself. Um, so most things like that, we we try not to let them like deter us from creating a trip if we can find a a good person to work with there and just kind of solve the problem if the destination's worth it. So um, I think some of the other main things that we run into, just trying to keep things at a reasonable price point. Like our our goal has never been to just like make foot overhand like tons of profit, like be this money hungry corporation. That's like the exact opposite of why we even started. Right. Um, so it's really just to make travel accessible and affordable to young people. So a snag that we often run into is just making sure that we can do everything that we want to do, keep it to our standards, but keep it at a reasonable price point. So it takes you, lots of work. Do you know if you've like faced any, fight or backlash against some of these countries like is there any reason why they wouldn't want you coming in you know i haven't heard of us having any issues with that um but that also very well could have happened at some point and i just wasn't brought into the conversation but now i'm curious and i want to go back and ask so <laughs> so i'll find out and i'll let you know all right but yeah not not that i've not that i've heard of mm. okay I don't know, Not like, yet. yeah, I'm trying to think of why, like, you're bringing that country more business, kind of, so. For sure. But, um, okay, I want to kind of get back to some of the marketing stuff, because I'm really interested in that mm -hmm. landscape right now. Like, um, one of my friends is actually in um, search engine marketing, and, like, like uh, mm. social media marketing, and he, he was talking about how he thinks, like, like Google AdWords and some of that type, like paid marketing for searches, he thinks that's pretty much dying out. And he thought the future was influencers. Obviously, just one man's opinion, but um, and obviously on Instagram or Facebook, you see how big these influencers have really become and doing partnerships with companies and 
doing their own personalized ads and like it's interesting to see is that actually the future of marketing like how much sway do these people have and is it like what's what's been your experience with that so far i know you said kind of dealing with the egos has been tough but here's what i'll say like i know i know it plays a role of course um, but what I do know, especially just from because the marketing nerd in me couldn't ask these questions while I was leading trips, just like we had so many new travelers this year. We um, I think on through my last six months leading trips, I'd say like upwards of 80 percent of my travelers were, were new travelers. They weren't returning alumni. Whoa. Um, and so I was constantly asking, I was like, where where did you guys hear about us? And so many, I didn't have one person say, oh, no, that's a lie. I had one girl say um, Instagram, but she somehow like found our account and started following us. So that wasn't even through an influencer. Um, but the majority of our new people found us on Google. Like they were Googling either like travel, solo travel, young travel, or were searching a specific trip and we popped up. So um and I can't credit that to paid ads because we don't do like paid Google AdWords. Um, I can credit a lot of that too is is our amazing um, marketing guru, especially with SEO. Cat um, has done a fantastic job on the back end with with that aspect of marketing. So just taking taking time. It took a couple of years to get everything set up, but um, yeah. I think just the natural organic searches is, uh, has done us a lot of good this year. Yeah, that, that was going to be my next question was, is most of your marketing paid or, or organic? But sounds organic. like you just answered that, yeah. Yeah, that and then, I mean, it's a lot of word of mouth still. Interesting. So mm-hmm. other than that, like, is there one specific area you guys are really focused on or is it mostly like – just keep building community, trying to get that word of mouth going and just, or are you like, cause obviously with technology, the marketing landscape has changed so much. Like for sure. Are you trying to get into that or just kind of like take it slow and make sure it's the right thing for you guys? That's what's most important than anything else. Just taking it slow, making sure that it's the right thing for us. Um, I mean, we, we've had a presence on social media for, for quite some time, it hasn't been a necessarily like a primary focus by any means. Um, I think we will forever continue to keep community at the forefront of everything that we do. Um, just because, I mean, people are so much more important than than pushing a bunch of trips. Like we we love our people, and that was really at the core of creating this entire company, which is like wanting to meet other cool people, right? So, making sure that we never lose sight of that. And then kind of letting letting the cards fall where they may after that. But that being said, <laughs> I did allude to our our affiliate program that we're we're about to launch pre Black Friday. Um, so it's definitely something that we're we're starting to dabble with. It's just again being very um, careful with who we partner with. Makes sense. So wait. So what's this? So you said you're launching this pre Black Friday of this year. Yes. So can you tell me some more about that? I'm interested. About Black Friday or about the affiliate program? Uh, both, if you can. Yeah. 
So the affiliate program um, is really just us partnering with influencers in the travel realm, especially obviously millennial travelers. Um, so offering compensation for any trips that are purchased through your unique code or your unique link that we would provide you. Um, but we're launching that alongside our Black Friday deal, which we do every year. Um, but this year we're kind of upping the ante a bit. So this year what we're offering is, um, so when you purchase a trip in full between like starting on Black Friday through the following Sunday, so it's a three-day three day sale, um, you get $400 off of the regular price of any of our trips that are $2,000 or less. And then we're actually offering $500 off of our bigger ticket items that are $2,000 or greater. Whoa. So what? to put that into perspective, <laughs> like if you were to purchase one of our like starter Costa Rica trips – which, if I'm not mistaken, is like 8:45 or something like that right now. Um, if you were to buy that trip in full, you could get it for 4:45. Wow. And uh -huh. these, are these so, for specific dates of the trips you have to take? No. Just nope. All the available ones. Yep. All right. Uh, so, so wait, what's what are the ones more than 2,000? What trips are those? Um, so those are a lot of our extended trips. So our Ireland, UK. Um, so we do Ireland, Scotland, and London. Um, I know that one is over. I know our New Zealand Ooh. would be in that docket as well. And I can't remember. Let me, I can pull it up and see. I can't remember how much our Galapagos trip is. While you're looking at that, is there one trip that you have not been on yet that you really want to do? <sighs> if you There's can, a if you can choose one or two. <laughs> yes. So um, I want to do New Zealand so bad. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I want to do New Zealand really bad, and I want to do Brazil really bad. I, I mean, I I want to go everywhere, but. Um, our New Zealand trip just looks amazing. Do you do uh, both the North and South Island for that? Do you know? I think we just do South, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I could be wrong. I should probably, I don't know, look before <laughs> I say things like that. But if I'm not mistaken, I think it's I think it's primarily South. Okay, cool. That's like one of our 10-day trips. Yeah, I think, I think you need 10 days in New Zealand at least. <laughs> For sure, if you're flying that far, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Dang. That's awesome. Um, hmm, I don't know what to ask now. I feel like we've covered a lot. We have. This is fun. We've <laughs> been uh, all over the place. <laughs> all over. I told you. Ask me anything. I'll tell you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, is... Is the Black Friday the only sort of big promotion you guys do throughout the year, or do you do any other special times that you know of, at least at the moment? Good question. So we usually do two or three a year, um, Black Friday being one of those, and, and Black Friday is definitely our biggest, for sure. So we'll do some other random like pop-up ones throughout the year. 
Um, but yeah, Black Friday is for sure our, our biggest and our, our best deal. Like it doesn't, like I can guarantee it does not get better than that. Okay. It's when does that start again? So let's see. Thanksgiving is the 22nd this year. So that's Friday, the 23rd. Okay. And oh, we'll so go it literally through... starts on Black Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. We do open it up early to our alumni. <laughs> We always open up sales early to them, just kind of as a thank you for being so rad. Um, but yeah, so so Black Friday to the masses will begin at like twelve oh one a.m. on Friday the twenty third. Um, so yeah, so if alumni don't pick through all of the seats, I would highly suggest trying to like stay up if you can and and try to snag snag any available seats that you can as early as possible. Sounds a little bit easier than standing outside of a store for six hours. Dude, are you kidding me? Yes. <laughs> Have you ever done and that? And like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> like, there's nothing I've ever physically wanted bad enough in my life to do that. Hard no. Uh, but it's... I would so do it for a trip. That's it's just a. I have no problem spending money on travel, but like, yeah, experiences over things, man. Yeah, definitely. I think that's another thing that millennials are uh, more focused on. For sure, I which I love. Maybe I got that from one of your articles, actually. Did you talk about that Chances in one are of your strong. articles? <laughs> Pro- probably so. At some point, I'm sure that that is, that is uh, been something I've discussed, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, we'll have a few more questions and then wrap this up. Try to keep it under the two-hour mark for the sake of the listeners. Um, cool. So, yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> sorry and you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, sorry and you're welcome. Um, one of the things you talked about on the the post trip blues article, I really like that. Um, just like ah. dealing with coming back home, because I think that's one of the parts that no one really addresses too much. Um, mm-hmm. Can you expand at least on the point where you said like take the time to process when you get back, whether that's through writing or meditation or whatnot. Can you kind of expand more on that and any of the other points you made as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, So something that was massively helpful for me this time was not letting people know that I was home yet, Um, especially when you've been gone for an extended amount of time. As soon as people know that you're home, um, they want to catch up. They want to hear about all of your travels, which is great. I love talking about it. Um, but it's also such a, it's, it's, it can be a really drastic change coming back home. And I think taking that time to really, um, settle back in before you have to be too terribly social again is super important. Um, and also just making sure that you've kind of like really thought through a lot of the experiences, um, which for me, writing helps tremendously with that. Um, Because even though we think that we'll remember all of these little epic experiences that we had um, throughout your travels, um, they can be really easy to kind of forget. So I like to to always come home and make sure that I at least am jotting down notes of like all the little things that I want to to remember forever. Um, And kind of like we were talking about earlier, just like taking note of some of the ways that you might have changed based on some of those experiences that you've had and really figuring out how to integrate those 
uh, back into your daily life before you're thrown back into the daily life that you knew before. So giving yourself time to like make a conscious decision of like, I am not going to react the way that I used to react to this certain situation anymore. Because if you don't have that internal conversation with yourself and seriously make that decision, uh, the chances of you slipping back into old, old habits uh, are pretty strong. So I think it's super important to take that time to, to process. Is that just something like, like, cause that can be kind of hard to not tell anyone you're back. Maybe for like, like, I feel like that's like, like, oh, when were you coming back? Did you just like lie about that? Or did you just like, how did you get away with not letting anyone know? Yeah. So I just, I, it's funny because the people that knew me would message me cause they were like, we haven't seen you post anything on Instagram in the past few weeks. You're home, aren't you? I was like, hmm, thank you for paying attention. Yes, I'm definitely <laughs> home. Um, so, I mean, there are like my mom. There were a couple of people that I definitely did did let know that I was home. But, um, yeah, I just – if people ask, I'd be like, I'll be home by this date, which is, that's not a lie. <laughs> you know, if I'm home before that, then that's still by that certain date. So give myself a little buffer time, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. I like do if someone asks like, "Oh, are you home yet?" Would you be like, "Yeah, but I I need a few days before I'm yep. doing anything." Just be honest. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, true. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, truth over everything. So yeah, I'm never gonna gonna lie if I'm specifically asked. Um, but yeah, and for those people that are asking, are the people that that understand that that's that's what I would need. So one of the people I talked to two episodes ago, his name's Dan. He said he felt he's a huge advocate of flying or of going solo. Like his Mm -hmm. blog name is literally Dan flying solo. Um, (laughs) And he said that he felt more lonely when he got back from traveling. Oh, I can see that. Is that something like you felt before too? Like, Yeah, I think that the same thing probably um, applies even if you've, I mean, probably especially if you've been traveling with a group, because by the end of the trip, you become so tight knit with these people. And then you come home and it's like, damn, like I'm no longer waking up to all of these cool people that I just met. Um, But on the flip side of that, I know with a lot of the groups, even when I was traveling as a traveler, like we, we would often start WhatsApp chat groups. And so there's, I mean, there's, I still have actually, um, the friend that you and I have in common, Caleb, uh, that was just happened to be on my very first ever Bali trip. Um, we still have a fairly active group chat from two years ago that we'll drop notes in every now and then. So, um, so I, I think it's probably not as intense when you are traveling in a group in some senses, but then quite the opposite in other senses so but at the end of the day regardless of how you're traveling when you come home you're gonna feel alone um I say that but for me I I guess I can only speak to my experiences I always feel um feel alone when I get home just because the people that are here were not the people that I was having experiences with or they weren't there um 
to experience the things that I did to the extent that I did, like even telling people about those experiences never translates the same as actually physically experiencing them. So it can be tough. Yeah. I I really also liked how you said basically like really get rid of your expectations of like when you're telling people back home about your trip. Absolutely. I remember that was one of the hardest things I had not hardest things, but one of the weirdest things I dealt with was um, I studied abroad in Singapore in 2015 and I got back and like was trying to tell my friends about it and like, you know, oh, how was it? Like, it was good. It's like, oh, cool. Like, what? I just spent four months in another country. What do you mean? Cool. Like, it, I know <laughs> it takes everything to not get angry and be like, do you not hear me? Yeah. Like, it's um, yeah, expectations, man. Yeah, it's it's not Lowering that like them. they don't care or they don't like they aren't interested. It's just like it's like people don't know what to ask almost because you weren't there. You like, well, you know, what was the food like? Or it's just hard to understand. And I think that's really really important in knowing because get back and understand. Like, I'll it's, I'll try to explain as best I can. If they ask a lot of questions, great. If not, like whatever. For sure. And it's funny, like you said, I've, I've found myself having a hard time even trying to explain when and if someone is in, like my mom is probably one of the only people I can think of that's usually like hyper interested and wants to hear about every experience. But even with her, I'm like, it was amazing. Like, it's really hard to break down every single thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It, just, it was epic. And that's what you say. <laughs> yeah. Um so curious about, um, you mentioned earlier how the universe works in your favor and mm. kind of like speaking things into existence almost. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other examples of, of seeing this happen in your own life other than getting the U30X job or, you know, it doesn't have to be as large as that, but like how else have you seen this work in your life? Oh, man, absolutely. Even the story that I told earlier about um, like when I was still working in Hawaii and I had just played um, a little show with some friends out there and I had the people who were like, why aren't you doing this full time? And I was like, I'd be stupid to quit my job. The next morning I get a call that I'm not going to have my job anymore. Like, really? Are you serious? Like, that was a super quick turnaround. It usually doesn't happen quite that fast, but I was like, okay, okay, universe, I see you. Um and I actually did pursue music on a pretty full-time basis with the exception of still clinging on to some contract gigs after that for a while, like on a business end. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, my God. I know I have so many examples of that. That's something that I should have prepared. I could have fired them off to you. Um, yeah, I do. I have some other other little things just like – experiences that I've had with meeting people um, and the universe just like really throwing some stuff in my face, like a really great, we're now like amazing friends. We had done um, kind of like this, we were sharing our art. So I was sharing some of my music. He was sharing some of his poetry one night and um, he read this poem that was not his, but that's kind of how we like ended the night was with this beautiful poem and um, we were like, man, what a like random chance encounter that like we met. This is 
just like you're a really cool human. So like the whole term of chance encounters kind of became the theme of our friendship. And I was on my flight home after, after when we first met a long time ago. And, um, I was listening to this audio book and fell asleep. And when I woke up, I shit you not, this is real. I woke up and the poem that he had read a couple of nights before was playing in my ears. It just happened to randomly be in this book I was listening to. And I was like, okay. What? I feel like that's important. That's weird. So then I look over. <laughs> the lady next to me was reading this magazine article. And the title of it, I'm, again, not making this up. Swear on everything that's happened. I've told the story a thousand times. The title of her article was Chance Encounters. It took everything for me not to just, like, completely freak out. So I was like, okay, universe, I know you're telling me something. I don't know what it is quite yet, but those are like two things that have been spoken in the in the past week, and here they are being played out in real life. That's strange. So That's so crazy. The power is real. Uh huh. I was uh -huh, gonna ask uh -huh. like how much of that is just coincidence, but like that that's too freaky. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I I literally just started laughing out loud. I was like, okay, <laughs> that was one of those things I documented for sure. Jeez. Yeah. So it's 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 real, man. It's little things like that that um, that kind of make me believe personally that there's there's something more out there. I don't know exactly necessarily what it is. I think it think it's called a thousand different things, but I think it's all the same. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Final question. Then we'll wrap this mm -hmm. up. Um, is there like one or two main things throughout your travels you've learned and really kind of solidified in your values or your beliefs that you're not sure you would have learned otherwise? Um, yeah, I think number one for me, um, is that I know nothing. I know nothing. And just like I kind of said earlier, I'm hyper skeptical of, of people that, are very matter of fact and are comp like way overconfident, especially in like a, a certain belief or something. Um, I've become the same way about myself. So just like constantly remembering that I know nothing, like always being open to new experience, new opportunity, um, new ways of thinking, even if I think something is stupid or, or silly, like, um, Iceland they like have this whole thing about fairies and it's easy to be like that's stupid but like hold up do I know that like how do I know that there aren't fairies living in that little thing like I don't know that so so a I know nothing um in a positive way you know nothing <laughs> yeah yeah in a very positive way don't get me wrong I know all the things but I know nothing <laughs> um and then um I think it's really helped me realize that like I'm gonna get hippie on you again but like everything and like everyone that we encounter is either a lesson or a mirror so as we're like having these different encounters with people it's either like reminding us of something that that we need to embrace about ourselves that we love about ourselves or like if we find ourselves getting super frustrated with a certain individual like find that that's usually a you thing so it's helped me be a lot less judgmental, a lot more open and loving um, with everyone that I meet. Is How did you start to recognize that? 
Um, I don't like like when was I originally introduced to that kind of philosophy or. It was probably uh, somewhere in Bali across the yeah, years. Yeah, just like when did you start realizing like, oh wait, this this is actually like something I need to deal with. It's not it's not really anything this yeah. person's doing, but like because that's not an easy thing to understand and like, oh, it's accept. Not. It's not. Yeah, it all starts with like owning your shit, which so many people have a really really hard time doing. Um, and I'm absolutely not perfect at it all the time. I have to constantly remind myself like, Oh, nope, that's you chill. Um, but I think I'm sure like just the original idea, um, was probably somewhere in my travels in Southeast Asia. Um, but I think it really all comes down to kind of believing a little bit more in the philosophy or the idea that we are all interconnected. So if we are all like the same or from the same thing, um, then it would make sense that we are all reflective of each other um, in a either positive, negative way, whatever that may be. So, so yeah. Did that Love answer it. your question? Did yeah, I answer? no, it okay, did. Cool. <laughs> cool. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, I'm glad, like just the power of travel is incredible it re- like it, i know it kind of sounds a little cliche and like oh yeah you did a trip and changed your life like but it right? really, it really I know. can I'm like, no, but for real <laughs> i know yeah it's so cool and yeah like we say you know it it forces you one out of your comfort zone and mm-hmm. two it forces you to kind of question what you know and your beliefs and everything Absolutely. which is so important over and over and over again with each each trip yeah it's wonderful and yeah you definitely need to be reminded of it like you get back home and you kind of get back into the swing of things and daily life and then suddenly you're like oh wow i haven't really thought about this in a while i know yeah yeah so get out there travel question everything (laughs) yeah Um, high five to that yeah um, but is there anything that I haven't asked or we haven't discussed that you want to bring up? No, I mean, I think we've touched on all the things. This has been super fun. Thank you so much again. Yeah, thank you for coming on so much. This has been terrific. Um, any any final words or parting wisdom to our listeners? Um, Just do it. Just go. Like whatever, whatever's holding you back from wanting to travel, whether it's with a group by yourself with a couple of friends, um, just do it. If, if it is, if you have any fears about going to a specific place, um, or any language barriers or anything like that, then definitely consider group travel. It's there's, there's always something to, um, to kind of overcome those, those little fears, but definitely just take the leap, do it, do it. That's all. Do it. You heard it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on here. I'm really glad that uh, Catherine was able to make the introduction for us. Yeah, and, me uh, too. Yeah, so thank you, and thank you, everyone else, for listening. Um, oh, and where can people reach out if they want to ask a question, whether about something personal or under 30 or 
um, yeah, For what sure. best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, and I am an open book. So if you have any questions whatsoever, please reach out to me. Uh, if you want to shoot me an email, you can do that at lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, at under30experiences.com. That's under30experiences.com. Um, yeah, shoot me a note, and I'm happy to, to always hop on a call or or whatever. You can find me on uh, Facebook or Instagram, Lindsay Dukes. Um, yeah. Be happy to chat. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, and thank you. And until next time. Hey, everyone. Lee here again real quick with the question of the episode. Our conversation today hit on quite a wide range of topics So I'm curious to know, what was your favorite quote or lesson from our conversation? Head to edgeofcomfort.com forward slash EOCP17, that's the number one seven, and leave your answer in the comment section at the bottom of the post. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to reading your answers. Cheers! Cheers!